Well, everywhere we turn, people are giving us advice. Do you agree with that? We open up the newspaper and we read advice columns. We turn on the radio and we have people like Clark Howard and Dave Ramsey and focus on the family giving us advice. We turn on the TV and we, we hear Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil and the women of The View giving us advice. Everywhere we turn, we're getting advice. And the truth is, we all need advice, don't we? The Bible says it this way in Proverbs, a fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. But I think you would all agree with me that, that all of the advice that we receive is not good advice. The truth of the matter is, much of the advice that we receive is, is to be honest with you, bad advice. Kind of like this guy that received some bad advice. You, you see him? He took a shortcut. He was told, if you take this road, you'll save three hours. Bad advice. Or what about this woman right here? She was told about this deal where she could get some great waterfront property. Bad advice. And let me just say to you, you never want to take marriage advice from this guy who's been married a gazillion times. You see, all too often we receive advice from the wrong people. A while back, Jimmy Fallon posted something on Twitter to all of the people who were, who were following him. And he asked them to put their funniest, weirdest, or plain worst advice that they ever received. And then he started it off. He said, I used horse shampoo because I was told that it would make my hair shinier. But it turns out it's just for horses. Hashtag bad advice. Well, other tweeters jumped right in and and here's some of the things that they posted. Tim Drake said, my dad told me the broken escalator was voice activated. So I spent 10 minutes yelling, go up, before he told me it was broken. Hashtag bad advice. Lucas said, my first time eating sushi, my good friend told me to take the green stuff. Spread it all over it because it would taste better. Hashtag bad advice. Enfys Jenkins said this, I gave a stranger super specific instructions on how to get somewhere. Then after she left, I realized I was thinking of the wrong place. Bad advice. Tia said this, I told my little brother you were supposed to eat the peel instead of the actual banana. He did it for two weeks straight. Hashtag bad advice. AJ said, I was told if I smelled the swimming lines at the bottom of the pool, that they smell like cherry. Turns out it really hurts. Hashtag bad advice. Kobe said, I had a disposable camera once. When I got to the end, I asked a friend what to do next. He said, it's disposable. Throw it away. Hashtag bad advice. And this is from Alexa. I put bacon on a pimple. Because my granny said it would go away. It grew. Hashtag bad advice. And John said this. As a kid, after I got dizzy spinning around, my big brother told me just spin in the other direction to cancel it out. 
Hashtag bad advice. Hashtag hurl. Well, my son John posted on Facebook this past Thursday, what's the worst advice that you've ever been given? And, and here's some of the responses that, that he received. God will only give you what you can handle. Have you ever heard that? God only give you what you can handle. Well, the truth is, God will only give you what he can handle. The truth of the matter is, there are times that God gives us more than we can handle. Another person put sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Boy, that's a lie, isn't it? Man, words hurt a lot. Another person said, follow your heart. That's bad advice, isn't it? Because the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked. And one person posted, this was the worst advice they've ever received. Try it and you'll like it. Well, the problem is that's true, isn't it? Sometimes you can try something and you like it, but what you like is destructive. It's damaging to your life. Well, this morning we're going to look at the fourth king of Israel. His name is Rehoboam. He was the son of Solomon. I can't imagine that, that when Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, he was writing this book to his son Rehoboam to prepare him to be the king of Israel. Listen to some of the things Solomon said in the book of Proverbs. He said, my son, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Don't go along with them. Stay far from their paths. My son, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. My son, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. My son, stay away from the immoral woman. Don't go near her or you will lose your honor. Throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon gave his son advice like that, preparing him to be king. But I'm afraid that Rehoboam followed Solomon's example rather than his words. Fathers, you need to remember, your children are watching you. And more than listening to the words you say, they are following the example you set. In 1 Kings chapter 14, we're told that Rehoboam's mother was Naamah. We are told she was an Ammonite woman. Now, why is that so important? Well, it's important because we are told that the Ammonites were pagans. The Ammonites worshipped false gods. In chapter 11, we are told that Solomon began to worship Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. And evidently, Rehoboam followed the example of his mother just like his father did. And he began to worship these pagan gods. So moms, listen up. Women, listen up. If you're here and you're not married, don't marry a pagan. Don't marry a pagan. Because who you marry will dramatically impact your life. But secondly, if you are married, you need to understand the influence that you have in your home. 
You may say, I'm not the dad. No, you're not the dad. You're the mom, and you have incredible influence on your children, and you even have incredible influence on your husband. So here's Rehoboam. He had a father who was the wisest man who ever lived, but turned his back on God. He had a mother who was an Ammonite who worshipped pagan gods. We are told that Rehoboam was 41 when he became king, and he He ruled for 17 years. But what you need to understand that is in a matter of months, Rehoboam divided a kingdom that had stayed united for 120 years. Saul ruled for 40 years. David ruled for 40 years. Solomon ruled for 40 years. A united kingdom. Rehoboam came in and He only ruled for 17 years, and in a matter of months, he divided the kingdom. We are told that about five years into his reign, King Shishak of Egypt came in, attacked Jerusalem, plundered the temple, ransacked it, and took away all of the treasury. And we're told very specifically that he took the 40 gold shields that Solomon, his father, had made. Well, Rehoboam took those 40 gold shields that had been stolen and he replaced them with 40 brass shields. Now, in case you don't know, brass can look like gold at a distance, but it's not. Gold is a pure substance. Gold is a valuable substance. Brass is a cheap imitation. It's an artificial thing. And so five years into his reign, when when the treasury was stolen and the temple was ransacked, he created this artificial thing to try to fool the people. And what you need to understand is I'm afraid that's what's happening in many churches today. We have taken true worship. We have taken true repentance. We have taken true faith. And we have replaced those things with artificial things that have no life-changing power. We are told at the end of Rehoboam's reign that he had abandoned the law of the Lord and he did what was evil in God's sight. Now, how did that happen? How did all of this happen? Well, I believe it happened in large part Because Rehoboam listened to bad advice. And the truth is, in the story of Rehoboam is couched three stories that give us three examples of people that listen to bad advice. So I want us to unpack these three stories and see what we can learn from listening to advice. Now the first story is Rehoboam's story. Shortly after he became king, all of the leaders of Israel came to speak to him. And this is what they said. Your father Solomon was a hard master. If you will lighten up the load, if you will lighten up the labor demands and the heavy taxes that you're putting on us or your father has put on us, we will serve you forever. Now you need to understand that that what they said was true. Solomon had conscripted about 30,000 people into forced labor. He had made 30,000 of his own people, his slaves, 
to build the temple. He was heavily taxing the people. Solomon saw the people of Israel as his pawns, his puppets to use. And the people were tired of it. So Rehoboam said to him, give me three days to think it over and then come back. Now, now that was smart, wasn't it? I mean, all too often we make quick decisions, don't we? And sometimes we can make quick decisions, but more often than not, we need to think it through. We need to sit on it. We need to look at all the options before we make a decision. And so he was smart here. He said, give me three days to think it through and seek advice. So Rehoboam brought in the older men who had advised his father, and they said this. They said, if you are willing to be a servant to these people, if you are willing to give them a favorable answer, if, in other words, if you're willing to lighten the load and cut back on the taxes some, they will serve you, they will be loyal to you forever. And by the way, that's great advice, isn't it? Jesus said this about leadership. He said, in this world, the kings lord it over the people. But among you, it will be different. The leader is to be a servant. And Jesus modeled that, didn't he? Jesus modeled it by putting his own desires. Jesus modeled it by putting his own needs aside to meet the needs of the world by dying on a cross. And so these advisors said, if you will serve the people and you will treat them fairly, they will be loyal to you forever. But the Bible says Rehoboam rejected their advice. And he brought in the young men that he had grown up with and he asked them, what do you think I should do to these people? And they said this, this is how you should treat these complainers. You should tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. He beat you with whips. I'm going to beat you with scorpions. And that's harsh, isn't it? And Rehoboam liked that advice. So three days later, the key people came back. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, it says this. When they came back, Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of his younger advisors. He told the people, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Well, the people didn't like that. So you know what they did? They went back home and they crowned their own king. <laughs> when Rehoboam heard about this, he sent the guy who had been over the forced labor to go reinforce the rule. You know what they did when he went? They killed him. So Rehoboam was about to make war with the people of Israel when God sent a prophet and said, that is so unwise, don't do it. And so he didn't. And so Rehoboam listened to bad advice and he divided the kingdom of Israel in two. But in Rehoboam's story is the story of another man. And his name is Jeroboam. You see, because of Solomon's sins, Rehoboam's dad, and subsequently because of Rehoboam's unwillingness to listen to good advice, God promised to give Jeroboam part of the kingdom of Israel. As a matter of fact, 
In chapter 11 of 1 Kings, he promised that Jeroboam would receive 10 of the 12 tribes. And this is what God said in chapter 11 to Jeroboam. He said, if you listen to what I tell you and follow my ways and do whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my decrees and demands, as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. Now that's a promise, isn't it? God says, if you do this, obey me, listen to me, follow me, then I will allow your family line to rule over this part of Israel forever. I'm not going to give you everything. I'm always going to have Judah for David's line, but I will give you Israel, the ten tribes, if you do this. So Jeroboam began to rule, true to God's word. God gave him the kingdom But almost immediately he began to worry. Because you see, worship took place in Jerusalem. Where the temple was that Solomon had built. And so Jeroboam began to worry. Well, if the people leave Israel and go to Judah to worship at the temple in Jerusalem, before long they're going to become loyal to Rehoboam again, and they're going to want to kill me. And so the Bible says that he brought in his advisors. And in chapter 12, verse 28, it says this. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two gold calves. He said to the people, it is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. He placed these calf idols in Bethel and in Dan at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin for the people worshipped the idols, traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. Now if you want to know how dangerous it is to make and worship gold calves, go back to Exodus 32. You remember the story, Moses is on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, the law from God, and he had been up there a long time, and the people got scared, and they wanted Aaron to do something, so what did Aaron do? He said, bring me all your gold earrings and your jewelry, and and he melted them down, and he fashioned them into a golden calf for the people to worship as their God. God got ticked to the point that he was ready to completely destroy the entire nation. Well, the Bible tells us that that building those gold calves and worshiping them was a great sin. It was such a great sin that God made a terrifying, horrifying promise. To be honest with you, What God said shocks us a little bit. But this is what God said to Jeroboam in 1 Kings 14 verse 9. He said, you have done more evil than all who live before you. Wow. You have made other gods for yourself and have made me furious with your gold calves. And since you have turned your back on me, I will bring disaster on your dynasty 
and will destroy every one of your male descendants, slave and free alike. Anywhere in Israel, I will burn up your royal dynasty as one burns up trash until it is all gone. The members of Jeroboam's family who die in the city will be eaten by dogs, and those who die in the field will be eaten by vultures. I, the Lord, have spoken. Wow. It's harsh, isn't it? What you've done is so bad in my eyes that I'm going to completely destroy your family tree. And that's what happens if all the male children are murdered, all the male children die. And that's exactly what happened. His entire family was wiped out because he listened to bad advice. But there's one other story in this story, and, and that's the story of an unnamed man of God. This man was committed to serving God, and he lived in Judah, and the Lord commanded this man of God, we're never given his name, but he commanded him to go to Bethel and prophesy against the pagan altar that Jeroboam had erected there. And when he did... Jeroboam pointed at him and told his men to seize him. But when he did, God paralyzed his hand where he couldn't move it. And so here was Jeroboam now paralyzed with his hand out like this. And he begged the man of God, pray to God that my hand will become normal again. So the man of God did. And then Jeroboam said, Will you please come to my palace and eat with me and drink with me? And the man of God said, no, I can't. God commanded me not to eat or drink until I get back to Judah. And I even have to go back another way. And so he began to go back. Well, in the meantime, there was an old prophet who lived in this part of the country. And he had some sons that evidently were there when, when this prophet, this unnamed man of God, was giving this prophecy. And so this old man was told that there was a man of God in the area, and, and he went out and got him, and he said, come and eat with me. And the man of God said, I can't. But I want you to listen to what this old prophet said in 1 Kings 13, beginning in verse 18. But the old prophet answered, I am a prophet too, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord, bring him home with you so he can have something to eat and drink. Now, it seems like you would be able to trust an old prophet, right? But, it says, the old man was lying to him. So they went back together and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's house. And while they were sitting there, the Bible says the word of God came to the old prophet and said, you have disobeyed God's command. You have refused to do what God has told you. And because of this, you will not be buried in the tombs of your family. Well, this unnamed man of God got on his donkey and started back on his way home to Judah. And on his way home, a lion pounced on him. And killed him. It's a dangerous thing to listen to bad advice. So here's the bottom line. 
Be careful who you listen to. Because their advice can either make you or break you. Did you hear me? Be careful who you listen to. Because their advice can either make you or break you. Now as we wrap this up, I want to give you five principles for getting good advice. Here's the first one. You always begin with God's Word. Your go-to person for good advice is not your parents, it's not your spouse, it's not your friends, it's not your counselor. Your go-to person is God and God's Word. David said it this way in Psalms 119. He said, your laws please me, they give me wise advice. Listen very carefully. We don't go to God's Word to find a proof text for a decision we've already made. That's what we oftentimes do. We make up our mind what we believe. We make up our mind what we want to do. And then we go to God's Word to prove what we are doing is right. But you need to understand we go to God's Word to prove our life. To make sure our life is in line with God's word and God's will. So we begin with God's word. Before you talk to anyone, let God talk to you by digging deep into his word. Let his word be a lamp unto your feet. Let his word be a light unto your path. Don't get advice from anyone. Until you pour yourself into God's Word. Second, don't be a know-it-all. Regardless of how smart or how wise you may be, or you may think you are, the truth of the matter is you don't know everything. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, knew that he didn't know everything. So he talked often about receiving advice. Here's what I know. Those who don't accept advice, more often than not, end up failing. Did you hear me? Those who don't receive advice, more often than not, end up failing. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 12, verse 15. A fool thinks he needs no advice, but a wise man listens to others. Remember several weeks ago when we looked at what the Bible says about a fool versus what the Bible says about a wise person. A fool thinks they know everything. They don't need advice. A wise person, a wise person listens to others. Proverbs 13, 10 says, Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. Wise people do what? They listen to other people's counsel. Third, you can't get too much counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Proverbs 19.20 says, Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Many advisors bring success. Get all the advice you can. Listen, you can learn from anyone if you have a teachable 
spirit. But the truth is, we can listen to the wrong people, can't we? And so, the Bible tells us that we need to seek out people who live godly lives when we're looking for people to advise us. In Psalm 37:30, it says, The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. Now, how do we know who these godly counselors are? Well, the next verse says this. They have made God's law their own, so they will never slip from his path. So how do we know who these godly counselors are? The godly counselors are those who are living according to God's word. Isn't that what it says here? The godly are those who do not slip from its path. The godly are those who do not pick and choose passages to hold on to and passages to discard. And that's what we have today. We have people that that offer us advice based upon how they feel or what they think rather than what God's word clearly says. If you want your life to be a success in the eyes of the one who matters, the one who created you, then you need to seek counsel, you need to seek advice from those who are living according to his word. You don't take marriage advice from people who have been married multiple times. You don't take financial advice from people who have declared bankruptcy, who are deep in debt. And you don't take life advice from people who are living independent of the one who created them in the first place. You seek out those who are living by his law and they will be able to help you discern right from wrong. And finally, stay away from those who are ungodly. In Psalm 1 verse 1 it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with their mockers. Now listen. The wicked can give us advice that makes us happy. But the truth is, happiness is based upon our happenings. Happiness is based upon what is happening in our life. Happiness is based upon an emotion, how we feel based upon the things that are taking place. But joy, joy, joy is so much different than happiness. Happiness is based upon external. Joy is based upon internal. Joy is based upon a relationship with God. Joy comes when we know that everything is going to be okay regardless of what is happening in the world. And we've all met people like that. People who seem to be okay When the world seems to be falling apart. When their world seems to be falling apart. How can they do it? It's because they have not taken counsel from the wicked. That's not who they have listened to. That's not who they have learned from. They have taken counsel from the godly. Now hear me. Because most likely you're thinking, well, the wicked, the wicked are the worst of the worst. The wicked are are the pedophiles. The wicked are the mass murderers. The wicked are the sex traffickers. 
But the truth of the matter is the wicked are simply those in, in this passage who were living independent of God. And that's the majority of people in our world today. People are living their lives independent of God. So stay away from those who are ungodly because if you do, they may make you happy, but they will never bring you joy. And in the end, their advice will lead to your downfall because your advisors will either make you or break you. Not just in the here and now, but in the hereafter. Let's go back to the very beginning for just a minute. Do you remember the advice that, that Satan gave Eve? Do you remember that? They were in the garden and Eve was walking around and she saw the forbidden fruit and Satan came up and he said, hey, looks good, doesn't it? The reason it looks good is because it is good. This fruit not only tastes better than any of the fruit in the garden, this fruit will make you wise like God. As a matter of fact, if you eat this fruit, you'll be just like God. That's why God doesn't want you to eat it, because, because then you'll be equal with Him. And Eve looked at the fruit, and she heard Satan's advice, and she received it. And she lost everything. And her husband lost everything. And to be perfectly honest with you, her heirs, you and I, apart from the grace and mercy of God, we have lost everything. Because she listened to poor advice. You see, bad advice will not only affect you in the here and now, your relationships, with your finances, with your job, your job opportunities, and, and everything else in the world, bad advice will affect you for all eternity. There are some of us who have listened to bad advice when it comes to our eternal decisions. Because I'm sure there's some of us here this morning who have not yet trusted Jesus to be our Savior. We've not yet surrendered our lives to Him. And chances are, the reason we haven't is because we've listened to bad advice. Someone has told us it's not true. The Bible's not true. Jesus isn't God. He was just a good man. And you've heard their advice and you've accepted their advice. Someone may have told you, well, you've got plenty of time. You, you want to make this decision someday, but not today, because you've got plenty of time, but no one is promised tomorrow. And some of us have been told it's just not worth it. I, I mean, sure, all you have to do is trust Jesus, but... Then you have to surrender your life to him. And you don't want to surrender your life. You won't be happy. You won't be able to do the things you like doing. And we've bought into this lie. We've accepted the advice that, that if we give Jesus our lives, it won't be worth it. And we've received this bad advice. We've accepted this bad advice. We've trusted this bad advice. And unless we reject it, it will lead us to hell.
So where are you? You see, the advice we receive is either going to make us or break us. Right here and forever. Don't be like Rehoboam who listened to bad advice and divided the kingdom. Don't be like Jeroboam who listened to bad advice and his entire family tree was destroyed, wiped out. And don't be like this unnamed man of God who listened to bad advice and got eaten by a lion. Be careful who you listen to. And make sure that you listen to God before anyone else. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. And with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, just want to ask you a very quick question. Have you trusted Jesus to be your Savior? Have you surrendered your life to Him as the Lord of your life? Have you given Him control? And if your answer to those questions are no, then my second question is, why not? Why not? Chances are it's because you believed the advice, the counsel that someone gave you, and it's a lie. Reject that lie. Give your life to Jesus. Let Him save you. Let Him change you. Let His Spirit come into you and make you brand new. That's what He wants from you. If that's your desire this morning, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right here, right now. Humble yourself before God and pray this prayer. Dear God, I humbly come to you this morning acknowledging my sin, my rebellion, I'm so sorry that I have lived independent of you. I'm so sorry for turning my back on you and rejecting you. Please forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. Jesus, I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven I could be saved and I could be changed save me fill me with your Holy Spirit change me today Jesus I'm giving my all to you thank you for hearing me thank you for answering my prayer